CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. Again, that's 1 888 Ask CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. As we start off this portion of To Every Man and Answer today, glad you've joined us. We always look forward to being with you each and every weekday afternoon at this time as we come to you live radio. Yeah, that's right. You can call in live right now, 8888-ASK-CSN, and have your question answered. You know, if you've been reading your Bible, you know how important it is to be able to have those parts of the Bible that you don't understand Explain? Well, that's why we're here for you. And so call us also to get a good Christian worldview of what's going on, as well as what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? If you've got a question you'd like to ask us again, that number, 8888-ASK-CSN. Real simple. And look forward to answering questions for you today. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker that comes on one hour before to every man and answer, John Randall from Calvary Chapel, South OC, down by San Clemente, California. Hi and welcome. Mike, great to be with you today on this beautiful Tuesday. So glad to be here with the CSN family. Always look forward to uh, one of my favorite days of the week. Tuesday. Yeah, I, I always enjoy this. I, I've never ever said, oh, I've got to go do the radio. I love, I love doing this. It just, <laughs> you know, I love talking to everybody for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that it really helps me as a pastor is to know what's on all of your hearts out there. So when I share on Sunday morning uh, to address those those concerns, because if you've got that question, other per- people certainly have that same question as well. And so I, I really believe that anytime uh, you, you have live radio, it exposes you to everybody's questions that need to be answered. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I believe in God, but I just can't get over the evolution thing. Or I, I believe in God, but, and they have this. And, and so we want to have good answers for people. I, I was reading an article the other day, and um, it, it talked about myths of the Bible. And it, it attacked Genesis. And then it goes into Darwinianism. And I'm going, wow, you know something? You guys, it takes more faith to believe in, in, in evolution than it ever would be to believe in God. Because, again, um, you know, if there was a problem in Darwinian theory, just throw a couple more million years into the mix and whammo, here we all are. The problem is you can't do that because you have the diameter of the sun that's too big. And so uh, now I read an article, they said, you know, uh, eventually the moon will go out of Earth orbit because it's moving away a couple inches a year. Well, if you go back billions of years, it, it would have crashed into the Earth because it's moving away from the Earth a couple inches every year. So when, when you really start looking at all these, uh, I just, I, I, I looked at it, and I go, they make fun of the Bible standing up for a complete myth that now DNA completely proves things don't, transmutate. They mutate. Yeah, yeah, big horses and small horses. But but uh, when you get into a horse becoming a giraffe or um, a horse becoming a cow, uh, this is where the DNA prevents that. And of course, Darwin didn't know about that. So, so uh, he, no, he just goes, oh, this animal kind of looks like this one. 
Here's the problem. No living transitory life forms, no fossilized transitory life forms. And Darwin himself said, that is the problem with my theory, is that there is no transitory living or fossilized um, life forms ever found. So these are the great problems that the, they work. And it shouldn't be just, oh, we, we found a jawbone and, oh, we're going to build an entire Piltdown Man from the jawbone. No, there should be millions and millions of fossils. And when you have the evolutionists saying, oh, the animals, because of global warming, are going extinct. Have you heard that? I have. Not to worry. If you're an evolutionist, there's going to be a whole bunch of brand new models coming out next year. Well, they're not. And see, this is what the problem is. We don't find any animals, anything, in a transitory state. Now, again, it might be smaller, it might be bigger, but it is what it is. And see, this is why, again, I saw this article John making fun of, of Christians in the Bible, and I'm going, and, and, and you're, you're standing on something so totally ridiculous that you think you're, you're you know, and, and, and again, this is this kind of a, a pseudo-intellectualism that, you know, oh, we're, we're just, you know, and, and, and you find this even with agnostics. They go, well, I'm agnostic. Like, like it's, well, you're a Christian, but I'm agnostic. The word agnostic, everyone remember what it means? It's the word ignoramus. I'm an ignoramus. <laughs> I'm serious. Check it out. So when somebody tells you they're agnostic, they're just telling you they're completely ignorant of spiritual things. Kind of sad, ain't it? 8888. Ask CSN's the number to call. Hey, before we go to the phones, John, how are things in South Orange County? Well, they're going really well, Mike. This is a big week for us here in Southern California. We have the SoCal Men's Conference taking place at the Anaheim Convention Center this Saturday. A lot of great speakers lined up already uh, registered. Just under uh, about 6,400 men have already pre-registered for this event. We're expecting somewhere around 8,000 guys. So we are excited. We're prepped. We're ready to go. And uh, we're praying that God's going to use us in a powerful way this weekend, right here in Anaheim, here in Southern California. So looking forward to it. Amen. So, uh, yeah, we want to keep us informed on this uh, because I think it's It's really, really a neat thing. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Bert on the line from yesterday. Thank you, Bert, for calling back. Bend, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Well, Pastor Mike and Pastor John, thanks for being available to us. So, Pastor Mike, I understand that there are Four groups of saints, Old Testament saints, uh, raptured saints, uh, martyred saints from the tribulation period, and at the end of the trib period, there'll be some alive at that time. That's the fourth group. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which of those go into the millennium? The last group that you mentioned, and those that have not taken the mark of the beast. So I believe you would have actually non-believers going into the millennial reign of Christ that have not taken the mark of the beast. Uh, The tribulation saints, of course, uh, as well as all the saints um, of old that uh, uh, Jesus' uh, supreme sacrifice was made for, the Bible clearly says we will be ruling and reigning with Christ during that millennial time in our glorified bodies. But there will still be human beings, 
And um, interesting, uh, many people, you know, you go back to those boring begats in the book of Genesis that people get wearisome over reading, but there's a lot to that because we're going to be put back into a world, uh, the curse has been lifted and uh, people will live to be again, uh, almost a thousand years old. And um, they estimate by the time of the flood, there was probably about as many people on earth then as there is now because of the longevity. How many children could you have if you lived to be eight, nine hundred years old? If a childbearing age for a woman, let's say instead of it only being uh, maybe 40 years, uh, 45 years, and then, and then uh, she's too old to have children, imagine if she could have children up to when she was 500 years old, how many people there would be on earth? And so this is, I, I think, a really interesting thing. The death, the death rate will be changed as well as the birth rate will be changed. And so I believe there's going to be a lot of people on the earth by the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. And those that go into the thousand-year reign of Christ, again, will be those, I believe, who are believers as well as those who did not take the mark of the beast. Very clearly, if you take the mark of the beast, you will not go into the millennial reign of Christ. Now, Important. There are very well-known ministers around saying, oh, no, you can take the mark of the beast. It's forgivable. No, it is not. That person is, 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 is not telling you the truth. Um, when the Bible clearly says something that's an exclusion to, well, God will forgive you for anything. When the Bible makes an exception, take the word of God, not the word of a man. Very clearly, it says, you take the mark, you ain't going. And I don't care who says it. I don't care how many PhD letters are behind their name. The Word of God stands against all this kind of stuff. And again, when you find people having to change God's Word to meet their kind of goofy doctrine, that's where you run into trouble. Your thoughts, John? Well, there are some mysteries as it relates to the millennial reign of Christ. You know, there's some passages of scripture that were given and says that we're going to rule and reign with him. There'll be two distinct groups of people, as was mentioned. You'll have those with glorified physical bodies, and you'll also have those with uh, natural earthly bodies. And oftentimes people ask me, hey, you know, John, what are we going to be doing during the millennial reign? It says that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. What do you think we're going to be doing? And my my response is, we're going to rule and reign with Christ. So there's going to be, it's going to be an amazing time. And I, I don't think that we fully comprehend how, how incredible it's going to be. We also realize that it's Jesus is going to be ruling, sitting upon David's throne. He's going to be judging with justice and righteousness. It's like something we're, we're definitely not seeing this right now, but we're going to see it then during that millennial thousand year. We believe in a literal thousand year reign of Christ. And so, it's going to be an amazing time. We're going to be there with the Lord and uh, uh, looking forward to it. Even though I don't fully understand all of the amazing things that God has in store, it's something to look forward to. Amen. I hope that helps. It does. Thank you so much. Bert, God bless you. And again, uh, Revelation has a lot to say about this particular topic. And uh, again, um, uh, the Revelation 6 talks about the martyred saints and it said that they should rest a little while longer till the rest of them that were to be martyred would be martyred. Uh, and then they will, again, as the Bible says, rule and reign with Christ as well. So 
Hope that helps, Bert. Uh, stay in line. Send you out the movie Jesus. Great to share with your friends. Let's go to Dean, Cottonwood, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hey, Pastor Mike. Pastor uh, John. How are you guys doing today? Good. How may we help you? Great. I, I was just curious whether Ryan gave you a heads up what the question was. Uh, no? What was that? Um, I was wondering if, if Ryan, the, the guy that takes the calls, had giving you what the question was. Well, we don't so always we don't always know. We have a general idea. So that just helps us, uh, you know, uh, be a little better prepared. Dean, how can we help? Yeah, I've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, and I've seen a lot of things and experienced a lot of things. And the consistency in my life is God's never lied to me. And he showed me the demise of the United States 30 years ago, and I tried to share it with the pastors in the neighborhood and and uh, it's God's timing, I'm sure. But all these things that I've written down and tried to share with the leadership, obviously the leadership, um, are coming to pass as I turn the page or even if I dare to go on the TV and watch what's going on in the world. And the Lord is really impressed upon me. And I know you guys are the Philadelphia Church and you're not here, you know, to go through the tribulations or anything. But he has told me, and, and I'm going to hold true to this until it changes, that the, the church, the true born-again believers, are going to go through a refinement before the rapture. And they, uh, I know why you guys closed because of the COVID, and but it gave a message to a lot of people that I minister to that the church is non-essential. And since I've been going back in the church, I've been trying to bridge this gap between um, Christians that don't fellowship. I, I mean, I, they fellowship in the little groups, but in the corporate setting. So your, yeah. your, your thoughts, John? Well, I do believe that there is a refining going on, and I think things are going to get darker uh, before the Lord comes again. Jesus told us that. He, he warned us concerning those things, and I think we're seeing it. You know, when Jesus gave the, the signs of the times that we should be looking at, he talked about false messiahs. Oh, they're, they're on an uptick. How about wars and rumors of wars? They've always been with us, but they're only intensifying with frequency and intensity. How about um, pestilence? Okay, yeah, we're seeing a lot of that. It's increasing. I mean, all of these things that Jesus warned us about, earthquakes and etc. I mean, it's all happening. It's all coming together. And Mike, to me, it's happening so quickly. Like there was a time when you would, you know, look at if you were a student of prophecy and you'd see, well, maybe this looks like prophecy and look what's happening in Israel. And then you'd wait, you know, months and, and then, oh, wait, we saw something else. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going back to the eighties now. Then you get into the nineties. Oh, look at this and look at that. And what about Iraq? Now it's like just every single day, something's happening. Things are coming together because we're getting nearer to the return of Christ. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. That is hardship. That is difficulty, um, trials. And I do believe there is a refining that we are going through as the church. There, there, is, there is a sifting uh, between the wheat and the chaff. There, there is something where, you know, you're either going to stand for Christ in, in this day in which you're living, or you're going to cave and give into the culture. And, um, you know, we have to be able to, to stand, Mike. And I, I do think we're seeing a lot of things ramp up because it's, we're getting near. We're getting close. Yeah, and I think we have to remember, too, that the end of the United States, if this happens, does not necessarily start the tribulation period. A, a lot of times people think that. I mean, uh, I think it was Billy Graham uh, probably 20 years ago. That's that's 20 years ago. I mean, when you look and just see how, how much 
America morally has rotted in the last year uh, concerning chopping up children and all these kinds of things. Um, he said this. He said, he said, if God doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Now, I think that's pretty bold, but I think it's pretty true. And remember, Sodom and Gomorrah was not a nation that once served God, that that just got away from the Lord like Israel many times had done, and God's judgment would come from the Philistines and other enemies of Israel. No, Sodom and Gomorrah was just a group of people who had become so morally debased in what they were that finally God had to bring a judgment upon them. And I, I, I honestly, everyone, when I see what they're doing to children now in America, what they couldn't kill in the womb, now they're just chopping them up. Never never to be able to have children, never just, just because we have absolute loons running our country now. And, and uh, no, no offense to any loon that's out there, please. We have crazy people running our government now. And when they think that chopping up children is good, that shows you the depravity of where we are as a nation. And I honestly believe, everybody, that there was a lot more going on in Sodom and Gomorrah than just Bill dating Steve. When you see the the hardcore aggression of the two angels that came to warn Lot to get out of town the next day, as they were staying in Lot's house, the men of the city went down and they wanted to have sex with them. And Lot, which shows me, and this was a question from yesterday, because Lot, I believe, their degenerated moral values were actually affecting Lot. He said, well, here, take my daughters and go rape them till they're dead, probably. It, 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 when you turn two of your daughters over to a... a a group of men saying, go do whatever you want to with them, uh, shows you that Lot's judgment was horribly, horribly compromised in that, in that culture. So if, if you think that we're going to be in the culture that we're in and have it not in some way affect us or, you know, uh, homosexuality is not all that bad or, you know, whatever, we got to go back to what the Bible says. Read Romans chapter one, New Testament. The new church had uh, the the church had been established. Jesus had already died for our sins, ascended to heaven. Read Romans chapter one. See what God says about it. Well, if I read that, it might change my political view. It better. It better. How can we say Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, if we don't really want God's kingdom because we don't even know what it is? So when you read the Bible. Believe it or not, everyone, you're going to have an opinion. And I guarantee you, it's not going to be the opinion of the world. It's not going to be the opinion of generally what's going on right now in the United States. And so because of that, I I, I believe that what we're seeing here is where our nation is imploding. I just I just read an article uh, before the radio show about how China is is building these hyper speed missiles, nuclear missiles, and uh, friends they're they're building them to bomb us. And when you when you give like our our president did um, uh, when when this this Afghanistan I, we got to we got to leave within within three or four days uh, within a month they could have taken years to leave. 
destroyed the Apache helicopters. We gave them 80 billion, with a B, 80 billion dollars of America's best technology. The same people that bombed our buildings. I, I said this on 9-11, when we have that saying, oh, um, uh, uh, we will never forget. You know that saying for 9-11? Our president did. Gave them $80 billion. The Taliban, yeah, he gave them $80 billion. And they will use that against us, guaranteed. So when we look at this, I believe, Dean, that America's days are numbered. The America that we knew. Now, it may exist in some form if we're not nuked. If uh, there isn't a 13-0 earthquake up and down the coast of California, or Yellowstone goes off and takes America clear out of the picture, interestingly enough, we're not mentioned in Revelation. I don't know. But I know this, as Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no one can work. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you. Again, just to to reiterate, uh, Dean, I think some of the discernment that you have, uh, seeing the times that we're living in is accurate. And, um, you know, the question is now, what do we do in light of the days in which we're living? Yes. Well, we need to be, we need to be preaching the gospel. We, we know what the Bible says. We know that these things are coming. And that's why Jesus still has us here, that we might be salt and light in the midst of a perverse and uh, dark world. And so, hey, until he comes, we need to continue to be faithful and uh, so that we're, we're ready uh, when he comes again. In the meantime, we want, we want to see people saved and, uh, and warning them, but also, you know, hopefully bringing them to the saving knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope that helps. Amen, brother. Appreciate it. Um, may the Lord just bless you and keep you safe and, and give you discernment for the things ahead of us. I appreciate you. I, I, I really believe, yes, and, and Dean, for all of us. In fact, let, let's just pray. Father, we, we realize that our nation is in extreme trouble. We realize our enemies are real. And even though we back down and fall into a, a stupor, a sleep, Lord, our enemies haven't. And we realize that they intend on doing us harm. So we just ask you to cause us to be aware of the times. We want to be harmless as, as, as doves, but we want to be wise in these days that we live in. And so for every one of us listening, may we, may we really be that, that uh, chosen generation, God, that loves you, not driven by money, not driven by fame, not omitting your truth from your word for the sake of what people would say or think or maybe not come back to church, but that we would stand for what is right in these days. And Lord, I ask you to bless Dean and all those that that have to make a stand, and it's difficult. Sometimes it's very hard to make a stand in a family when everybody is contrary to your principles, God. And so we just ask you that your Holy Spirit would guide, direct, and keep all of us, Lord. Protect us. Lord, protect us from people that say they're Christians and they're really plotting devious things against your church and against other Christians, Father. Uh, your word says you hate these people, uh, the things that you hate, those that sow discord among the brethren, God. We, we just ask you, God, that your Holy Spirit would, would, would stop them and cause them to repent. Lord, we realize that we live in these days, and your word says it's going to get worse. So help us, strengthen us, all of us, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Dean, God bless you. Stay on the line. Send you off the movie, Jesus, and um, keep praying, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Amen. Let's go to Grayson, Dallas, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi, pastors. Thank you. Appreciate all the um, hard work y'all do to preach this stuff out on the radio. It's not easy, but definitely something we all enjoy. Uh, my question is more around, you know, the same way that God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. You know, how do we interpret things like when we believe God is calling us to do something which would maybe go against his word or even go against what is normal in the current church? How do we interpret and believe, you know, believe those things? Okay, John, your thoughts? Well, I think, um, first of all, uh, I don't think God would ask us to do something that would violate uh, the revelation of his word. And so we want to be very careful of that. Uh, I think that's really important that the Word of God is our guide. In fact, uh, it's a passage of Scripture that says, "Don't." Paul says, don't go beyond what's written. And I think um, the Holy Spirit's not going to contradict himself. So we want to be very clear on that point. God, God will never tell us to do something like sin or do something that would that would violate what he's already said, because that would be, again, contradiction. So, um, you know, I, I go to the Word of God. And so if, if somebody comes to me, for example, Grayson, and, and they say, hey, I feel like the Lord wants me to go and do this or go and, you know, leave my wife and, and go be with this other woman, I'd say, well, I, that's not what God's Word says, you know. But maybe they've convinced themselves and and, and they've kind of come up with all of these things. And so I'd have to go, I would take them back to Scripture. And, and I guess what I, what I would need to understand is maybe maybe more of an example of what is it you're you're exactly asking in terms of do you have an example of this or and that maybe would help us to be able to answer the question a little bit clearer. Uh, no, I think that's good. I just always struggled, you know, because like he's essentially calling Abraham to you know, murder his son, right? And by a lot of standards, we would say, well, that would go against the Ten Commandments, well, which wasn't right. there at the time, but that would go against natural law of saying murder is wrong. But so Abraham moved forward, and he's quite mentioned mm-hmm. a lot of times in the New Testament as, you know, having been righteous for believing God and trusting him. Um, I don't know. It's just always been something that stood out in my mind. I don't believe God would ever um, tell us to do anything contrary to his word. I, I just don't believe that that he would do that. I believe what happened in the case of Abraham and Isaac, as it tells us in uh, the Bible, he says these things happen as our examples. You can look at the book of Jude as an example. Uh, these things are our examples, and that how uh, God was willing to sacrifice his only son for us. I believe it was a picture type in the Old Testament especially for the Jews to understand this same principle as Jesus would be their savior as well. We're coming up on a break, everyone. We'll have a whole lot more right after this. We'll be right back. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you were just notified that your Medicare costs are increasing A program out there can really help you with your medical bills, and it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65+. It's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65+, is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider, and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 
years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. More than ever, pastors need to feel people's love and support. Over the last few years, many pastors have seriously considered leaving their church. But 1 Thessalonians 5.12 instructs all churches and all Christians to show and share their deep appreciation for those who minister to them. There is no better time to do this than Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And there's no better way to do it than using the easy as 123 Bless Your Pastor materials that are available for free at blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Plus, the great news is that if your church uses the 123 Bless Your Pastor materials, the pastors at your church will be offered a $300 scholarship application to attend a Family Life Weekend to Remember Marriage retreat. What a blessing this will be to your pastors and their spouses. For free materials, go to blessyourpastor.org. That's blessyourpastor.org. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And, uh, you know, again, when we look at these these uh, questions that we get, you know, uh, concerning our last caller, John, do you have any closing comments on that? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, we have to remember just going back to Genesis chapter 22 that um, Abraham anticipated uh, that Isaac wasn't going to die. Remember, as they were going up the hill, I was just recalling what Abraham said. He said we, to his servants, he said, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship, and we will come again to you, Genesis 22, 5 says. And then, remember, Isaac asked the question, hey, Dad, you brought the fire, you you, you brought the wood, uh, where's the lamb? And Abraham responded by saying, God will provide himself a lamb and then the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 9, he actually gives us a New Testament commentary on Abraham's thought process when, when he tells us that Abraham considered that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead because Isaac was the, the fulfillment of a promise and, and the line was going to come through Isaac. So Abraham knew this is a test. And that, that's why I think he just went without any question, without any fight. He just, he knew that God was going to come through. He knew that Isaac was, was the promised heir to everything God had said. And so I think he anticipated, uh, that, that he wasn't going to, ha- but he was willing and his faith was put to the test and he passed. So I hope that that, uh, would answer your question for you again. When we, when we understand that these things happen as our examples, I don't believe God would ever tell us to do something contrary to his word. Um, And again, this is uh, what God's word says, that we are to keep his word. So uh, I think you can just settle that in your heart. And um, uh, I think we'll all be better off blessed if we just do what God's word says to do. Let's go to Connie in Conway, South Carolina. Hi and welcome. Well, I'm doing very well, and I want to thank you a whole lot for the job you do, bringing the Word of the Lord even closer to us and explain what we don't understand. So I have a really interesting question. I have to read to you first a little passage from Revelation. Okay. 
sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake. Okay. Burning sulfur. Okay, here's my question. <clears throat> I'm sorry. We all do lie at times, and I don't think any of us gets up in the morning, oh, today I'm going to lie. But I'm honest, I do every now and then a white lie, and if it's only to, to spare somebody's feelings. So do I uh, go to heaven or not because I'm lying? Well, I, the, the Bible talks about, you know, uh, we're all sinners saved by grace. Um, I think if we continue in sin, if we continue uh, lying, then we need to examine why we're lying. I, I don't believe a person just lies for no reason. I believe, uh, however I do, I have met compulsive liars that lie about anything. But the thing is, they're usually trying to misrepresent themselves in some way. Um, I, I think that at times we all can stretch the truth, but I think if a person is habitually in a situation where they're always lying about everything, they need to get born again. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, uh, you know, you're talking about somebody who's practicing, uh, yes. just, just a lifestyle of lying. It's the people that, you know, who lie, um, and, and Connie there, there's no conviction at all. They lie without thinking about it. It's just, it's the way that they live. They just, they constantly lie. Now, if you lie or if I stretch the truth, the Holy Spirit's going to convict me and I'm going to need to repent. And, and that's the difference. If you live a, a lifestyle of, of just lies, then there's no conviction at all. I think that's who it's talking about here. The unbelieving that these, these people don't, they don't even care. They just, they live a lifestyle of lies. You know who the father of lies is. It's the devil. And, um, that's who it's referring to. There's a contrast being, being made here. So, um, I would say if you've lied, hey, confess it, repent of it, ask God to place truth within your heart and truth upon your lips. And, uh, instead of lie, tell the truth. And, uh, and there'll be conviction there, not, not just a habitual state of lying. And I think that makes a lot of difference. I mean, again, uh, why, why does a person say the things they do? Why does a person uh, uh, do anything? I, I think if we examine that, you know, I always tell people this, you know, uh, people that get loaded or, or drunk, uh, you know, why are you doing it? Well, you know, I don't really like myself, and if I can get you know, to beer 30 and get a little buzz on, then, you know, then I can like myself and, and maybe people are like me. Well, the problem is you need to be loved. And the reason why you feel the way you are is because you're in your sins. See, when we get born again, God forgives us of our love and we're accepted now by the only one that really matters in all of eternity is God. I can like myself. I, I don't have to be modified to fit into my crowd, or to like myself, you know, if I get a little altered, I'll, I'll be okay, you know. No, I, I can like who I am, because God loves me. And I don't have to get modified to be accepted or to be loved. Well, I think it's the same thing when it comes to any sin, including lying. Well, if I lie a little bit here, if I lie a little bit there, you know, am I not trusting God? You know, if I have to lie to to get something, then am I saying, well, God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, so I have to lie about whether I stole the candy bar or not? Well, no. See, the thing is, we're not trusting God. And whatever is not faith is sin. 
So if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, stay that way and let God be the provider for you. Stay that way and let God give you your identity, not from a bottle of Jack Daniels. Let God give you your identity, not from a bag of dope. But let God give you who you are, and I believe that settles the issue. Not a 12-step program, friends, a one-step program. Hope that helps, Connie. Well, uh, I think uh, I understand what you're saying, but um, the question still somewhat remains a little bit. Let me give you an example. You know, like a a hair cutter, for example, uh, gets a call that somebody wants to come in and she absolutely cannot stand the woman or, you know, for whatever reason, you know, her political views or her Christian views or her not Christian views. And instead of saying honestly, you know, no, I don't want you to come, I'm sorry, this person, the, the haircutter would say then, for example, no, uh, I'm, I'm, my schedule is full. Okay, your mm-hmm. thoughts. Well, here's what I know what the Bible says. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, here's what it says. Rather, here it is, speak the truth in love. There's the need, if you're going to speak the truth... Then, then you need to speak the truth in love as opposed to lying. You know, speak the truth in love. And I think sometimes we're afraid of how we're going to feel if we speak the truth. And so rather than speak the truth, we, we just kind of, well, I, you know, we make something up to avoid a conversation that probably needs to be had. And um, I think love is the key here, Connie. Speak it with love. Uh, Jesus ministered with grace and he also ministered with truth. And, and we need both. So I think sometimes we're just afraid of what people might think. And, and the fact is that the fear of man, the Bible says, brings a snare, Proverbs tells us. And so yeah, I don't think we should be afraid to speak the truth. And uh, as we, the Bible says to walk in truth and to speak the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set us free. So um, I think there's a different way to say something without trying to be offensive, if you, if you allow the love of Jesus, you know, let, the, let the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, the psalmist declared. Let, let those words be truth and love coming across, and even difficult things to say. Um, and, and I think it's important how they're said. It makes a difference whether the person's going to hear or not. Amen. I hope that helps, dear. This does help. Love is the key. Thank you. God bless you. Stay in line. I'll send you out the movie, Jesus. I think you'll really like it. It's based on the book of Luke. And so um, it's a blessing and also good to share with your friends, dear. So you get stay in line. We'll get you taken care of. And with that, we'll go to Al in Georgia. Hi, welcome. Well, good evening, gentlemen. My, my, I'm going to make a comment about the, the program from last Friday about after death experiences. But my brother, Ian Chelf, told me he died several times, and one of the times he saw a bunch of demons coming towards him, and then he saw the bright light, and he walked towards the light, and he came back to life. Mm-hmm. You know, So he knows for a fact, he said, that my mom could convince him otherwise that demons do exist. Well, I never said it wasn't true. I said we can't teach it. And here's why. Because uh, I've I've seen people have after you know, where, where they've died for a few minutes and they have these experiences. One lady wrote a whole book about it. Another guy up in Boise years ago wrote a book about it and all these different things. And some of it was just flat out, just kookiness. Um, uh, we just don't teach that. Um, 
Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, he admonishes him, teach what becomes sound doctrine. Um, And, uh, you know, it's really weird. People will try to teach anything. They'll teach stuff they found on the Internet as truth, or they'll teach one of these old books, you know, um, that were found, the the Gospel of Judas or or the, uh, the Book of Enoch or whatever. These are not Scripture. They were rejected then, and just because a, a book is old doesn't mean it's right. It was junk then, it's junk now. We want to teach what becomes sound doctrine, and so we can't teach people's dreams, or we can't teach, and what I mean by that is somebody uh, has this this unction or urge, or, well, I had this after-death experience and, and, and whatever. I think, I, I'm not saying they're not true. Please don't don't misunderstand me. I think some of them aren't true, because certainly Paul in the Bible had a, he says, whether in the body, I don't know, whether out of the body, I don't know, but I was caught up in the third heaven and beheld God in his glory. So we do know they are real, but we don't teach those as doctrine. And that's the only thing I was basically saying, Al. Your thoughts, John? Well, I would agree with you on that. When Paul tried to say, he said, man, I, I saw things that I, it would be a crime to try to utter what it was that I saw. And so I'm always, you know, when people have these experiences and you, you hear about them and they come out with a book and it talks about, you know, 20 minutes in hell or whatever, it's, that's some title like that. And they yeah, describe yeah, yeah, what yeah. happens and does that match up with scripture? Or somebody has another book, uh, 20 minutes in heaven. And I saw my grandfather and, and he was described, a child saw him and he described him exactly like he looked. And I, you know, I don't know these people personally. I don't, I don't know whether or not, um, you know, then they come out with a movie and the movie deal. And I, I, I'm not really sure. I just go by what the Bible says. It's appointed unto man once to die and then comes the judgment. I, I believe that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so I just, I just stick to the scripture. I can't, I, I don't know their experience. I, um, like you yeah. said, but I just go back to the word of God because that's the truth. Yeah. And you don't know, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these other things. Now, I can guarantee you, if it happens to you, it's pretty real. Um, and especially if you see demons and stuff like that, or you see the Lord. I've seen people that do that. So, like I say, uh, that's all I was saying, Al, is that uh, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I'm just saying we don't teach it. But I do know people that I believe have had uh, um, out-of-body experiences when they die, and I do believe they are real. It's just that I just wouldn't teach it as a, as a doctrine. Hope that helps. Okay, can I ask you a quick biblical question? I know you're not going to Sure, go ahead. How do, you, how do you balance these two verses versus easy believabilism? Luke 13, 24, and Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Okay, John, your thoughts. Uh, well, I'm looking it up. That was pretty quick. Uh, Luke, Luke 13:24, and uh, I suppose what do you what do you mean by the by the uh, the question, Al? Just to be clear on it, because Luke 13:24 says, "Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many I tell you will seek to enter and not be able." And what was the next verse that you quoted? Matthew 7, 13, and, 20, and 14. 13 and 14. Matthew okay. 7. Yeah. While you're looking that up there, you know this is where it comes into the idea of what's commonly called easy believism. Um, and I, I, there's many people that even reject people in church or anywhere giving somebody a salvation message, uh, a salvation prayer, if you will, you know, uh, because they go, well, that's easy believism. Well, God didn't make it hard. And as a matter of fact, if you want to look in the Bible, 
<laughs> that, that book, a lot of people don't give a lot of credence to anymore, but the Word of God stands. Look at the sinner's prayers in the Bible, which I think is really interesting. The thief on the cross, uh, as they're railing on Jesus, he says, wait a minute, we, we deserve to be up here. This man has done nothing wrong. And then his here's the guy's sinner's prayer. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, we deserve to be up here. We're sinners. But this man has done nothing wrong. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, what's interesting about that is that there wasn't a message of, oh, you know, God's got a wonderful plan for your life. Isn't it interesting, though, that in that few last moments of all of their lives here on this earth, um, that 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 thief on the cross has been an encouragement to so many people that it's never too late to receive the Lord. Uh, We caught the woman in the very act of adultery. What do you say? The law says we should stone her. Jesus wrote in the dirt. Maybe he wrote, where's the man? Because they said they caught her in the very act. So was this a setup? Uh, Why didn't they bring the man as well? Were they peeping toms? What was going on here? What did Jesus write in the say? I don't know. But the Bible says he wrote twice, and beginning with the oldest verse, they all left. And then he said, where are your accusers? And here's her sinner's prayer. There are none, Lord. She called him Lord, which implies from now on, you're the one directing my life. See, when you call somebody Lord, you are saying, I'm the servant. And that's what we truly are when we come to Christ. He's the Lord, we're the servant. Now, I know that doesn't set well in a lot of modern-day churches where Jesus is my puppet. I use my magic faith words, and I get whatever I want from God because God's obligated to do what I say, and I order God around like he's a dog. God, heal! I wouldn't talk to anyone like that. And I see these people on stage doing these kinds of things, and I cringe. And then I watch them jump up and down on the stage. We're going to jump on the devil. We're jumping on the devil. Well, haven't you ever read what Jesus said? Rejoice not that you have power over the devil, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Have you not read in the book of Jude when uh, when uh, Michael was in contention over Moses' body? He didn't, didn't bring railing accusation against him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. So what we see here is we see a lot of this kind of stuff go on. And the idea of easy believism is God didn't make it hard, except a man become as a child. He'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty easy. But on the other hand, it requires everything that we are if we're truly going to be a follower of Christ. And so is there a balance? Yeah, but it's both. It is easy believism, but it also requires our entire being. Again, it's not by works of righteousness, lest any man would boast. Your thoughts, John? Well, it does require something of us, but you know, these two passages that you mentioned, these are these are the words of Jesus. So I would I would take the words of Jesus. He's saying, enter through the narrow gate. He's he's stating a fact. It's a narrow gate. And there's few people that find it. It goes against, you know, what the rest of the world says. It goes against the flow of culture and, and it goes against our own country and where so many people live and where they stand. Hey, listen, it's not going to be easy. In other words, it's, it's going to be, there's some things that are required. You're going to have to turn, turn away from sin, repent of it. But at the same time, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, 
that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John chapter 6, verse 29, the, the people came and they said, what good work can we do that we might inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. So we believe, but then Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, as you quoted Matthew 7, um, he's telling his disciples, just so you know, this is what's required. He, and he's drawing a comparison there too, by the way, in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, on the false righteousness of the Pharisees versus the true righteousness that God requires. And so um, he's just making it clear that there is there is a cost. There is a sacrifice to follow Jesus. But I just want to say it is so worth it. And and he, Amen. you know, we be, we believe, and he gives us the power of the Spirit. He gives us the Word of God. He gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. My step is, Lord, I believe in you, and Lord, I'm going to follow you. And sometimes people don't understand that. They don't realize, like, hey, the Lord just didn't say come to me. He also said abide in me, and he also said follow me. That's the balance. But what? there's no better life than following Jesus. Amen. Al, I hope that answers for you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. God bless you, Al. If you don't have the movie Jesus, stay in line. We'll get that out to you. And let's go to David, Las Vegas. Hi, welcome. Hi. Good afternoon. So my question is from First Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, your husbands live considerate, considerately with your wives, giving honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they too are also heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, my question is, th- it's obvious that this letter was written to believers, so the hinder can't equate um, not hearing, right? So, and, and uh, could it be that the hindered, since a man is not... If a man is treating his wife other than, let's say he's out of the will of God, he's treating her bad, and he's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, well, that might hinder his prayers, right? Am I right on that? That's what it says. Your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with that. But you also remember in the context of that chapter, um, David, right above there, it says, wives, uh, be submissive to your own husbands, even if they don't obey the word that they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. If they're not walking with the Lord, they don't know the Lord. Hey, live your life before Christ. There were people who were, you know, getting saved and they, you know, they were married and then they, they found out that Jesus was the Messiah. And so there's an exhortation to the wife, but there's also an exhortation to the husband. Hey, listen, and this is a, this is one you can't take out of your Bible. Uh, it says, husbands dwell with your wives with understanding. That's really important. That's where it starts. And sometimes it's, it, you don't always understand what your wife's going through. And she might even say, you don't understand. And then you say, I, I don't, but I want to understand. But, but you're right. If you, if you, if there's a problem with your relationship with your wife, then it's an indication that there's a problem with your relationship with the Lord, because that's where it starts. I can't love my wife like Christ loved the church if I'm not loving Jesus. And I need to start there, my relationship with Jesus being where it needs to be. And then I'm able to have that solid relationship with my wife. And if I'm in the flesh and I'm mistreating my wife or there's, I'm saying things to her that aren't edifying or building her up and I'm not washing her with the word, it's going to hinder my prayers and my relationship with the Lord. And I find that so you can't, you can't, you can't minister, you know, uh, when, when things are out of alignment at home and then try to, well, I'm just going to go minister for the Lord. I mean, as a pastor, I hate to confess it here on the radio, but there've been moments when I've been in the flesh and I had to call my wife and say, you know what, can I just say, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I can't continue to do this and, and I forgive me. And she's so gracious and forgiven me when I said something I shouldn't or, uh, and because uh, I don't want my prayers to be hindered or the ministry to be hindered because of the flesh. So it's a powerful passage, one that has convicted me many times. And, uh, and I believe it. 
Hope that helps, David. You know what? Actually, it does. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Well, God bless you, David. Stand lines. We'll send you out the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. And then we're going to go to line number one, Michael in Superior, Arizona. Hi and welcome, Mike. Hey, pastors. I had a quick question, okay? You know, our country is probably the greatest country ever created by God because of our founding fathers. Yeah. What happens? I mean, I could see it. It's not in the final picture. Mm-hmm. I mean, America has done some really bad things, and it's going to be judged for it. Does it exist or not? I don't find it in the book of Revelation. I, I would like to say that. The only possible thing that we would find before the tribulation is the young lions of Tarshish object to Russia and the Arab neighbors invading Israel. But as far as a United States being in uh, being in uh, the very tribulation period, I don't find it. Now, some people are talking about the Lady Babylon and stuff, and that's New York City. I don't find that necessarily to be the case. That could be easily replaced by Dubai, uh, uh, the you know, um, in United Arab Emigrants, that amazing city that has ski resorts in the middle of the desert. Uh, it's one of the most affluent cities on earth, uh, and so it, I, I believe it's very possible for that to be maybe the replacement of New York. It, it is also um, on the coast where the sailors could weep and wail uh, all the you know the because of the destruction that comes upon it. I don't know, um, but I don't see that. And when you stop to think that because our our Christian heritage. You think of all the inventions that come from America that has blessed the entire world, uh, that's lifted the standard of living globally. Yeah, America's done some bad things, but I believe the things that America has done in the past far, far outweigh anything bad it's done. If it wasn't for America in the Second World War, everybody would be speaking either Japanese or German right now, because England was whooped. They were done. Uh, the bombs were falling. The, they, the, uh, Hitler had come out with the V2 rockets. The V1s were decimating it, and it'd be even worse. Uh, so, no, I, I, I believe that America, because of its Christian heritage, has literally blessed the entire world. That's what happens when you serve God. But as you turn your back on God, it gets bad. Your thoughts, John? That's right. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34 says that godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. My prayer is that America will turn back to the Lord, uh, Mike, before it's too late. Amen. Amen. That's our prayer. And uh, Michael, we're out of time. It's been a little, it's been a whole program on that question. But uh, stay on line. We'll get you out the movie Jesus. And for David and Colleen, please, if you'll call us first thing, we'll put you on the very first thing tomorrow. And no waiting. Thanks, John, so much for being on. You got it, Mike. God bless. God bless you guys. Good night. For more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. 
The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 